welcome you all to the Lord's house this morning. We're glad that you are here. We're going to commence our worship, please, with hymn number nine, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts. Let's stand, please, to worship. come to seek the Lord today, we want to remember in prayer Mrs. June Hamilton, the wife of Reverend Stephen Hamilton from Lehigh Valley. Our sister is, well, coming closer and closer to the gate of heaven, and we pray for her as she is with the family at this time that uh, the Lord would draw very, very near to them and He would bless them. Well, we have a visitor flying around here at the front this morning, and it's not one I'm going to tangle with. It's uh, one of those long hornets or bees, and uh, he's just sniffing around and seeing what's around the sermon notes today. I'm not so sure what will... We're just going to let him be, and uh, be, uh, pardon the pun there, and uh, we'll come to seek the Lord, please, now in our uh, prayer. 
Our loving Father, we rejoice this morning that we are here in Your holy presence again on another Lord's Day morning. And dear Father, at the very commencement of our service, we pray for the help of the Spirit of God in our worship, in our praying, as we read the Scripture, and as the Word of God is open. Father, we pray our hearts will be open to receive the good seed of Thy Word, and that we would know blessing upon blessing. And dear Lord, help us today and give us the right attitude of heart. We pray that our souls will be in touch with our God, that You would take away every distracting thing from us. And Lord, all of the business of last week, those problems or issues that have come upon and maybe the concerns of tomorrow. And Lord, help us, we pray, for the moments that we have today and the time in Your presence to really enjoy and enter in with all our hearts, souls, minds, strength. Lord, help us to be devoted in our love for Christ more intensely. And Father, we would know the changing grace working in us of the Spirit of God, that grace which molds us and makes us and draws us nearer and nearer to Christ. Dear Father, we pray this morning that each one of us will be very much aware of the Spirit of God speaking to us from the Scripture, revealing our Lord, drawing us near. Lord, we pray We'll be very, very mindful of the presence of the Savior with us today. Lord, we remember Mrs. Hamilton. O oh God, comfort her in this time and hour of her need. We pray that you would bless her, her family as they have gathered around. And Lord, whatever time that she has left, may it be days and hours, moments filled with your presence and joy and peace and that she would be comforted in her own heart and bless her, Lord, at this time. We know others are sick in our congregation. We pray for Sister Hyacinth today. Remember Serene and our brother Ron. And encourage all these ones. We pray for our brother Richard Teo, that you would comfort and bless your servant. And dear Lord, whether it's a physical trial or trouble, or maybe it's some other spiritual battle, and dear Father, hear our prayer today and draw very, very near to us. Remember those who are suffering for the cause of Christ being persecuted, whether it is in a land of great oppression, whether they're cast into some jail or prison, or just restricted in freedom from worshiping. O oh God, come near and strengthen every believer. And draw us all, we pray, closer to our God. For we do not know, Lord, as we see our freedoms eroding, we pray that you would resist and restrain the evil and bless that which is right and true. Help us in our land, our nation. Let the gospel message go forward with power. We pray, Lord, against the cursed events that take place in the month of June in many, many lands, O oh God, resist and restrain that which is wicked, we pray. 
and bless that which is right and true. Hear our prayer today. Bless us in all of our meetings and the services we have, our times of prayer. Be with the elders and deacons as we meet this afternoon, our pre-service prayer time, the time of evening service, and our fellowship afterward, and all the events that will take place. Bless the church in Cloverdale today, and as they look forward with anticipation to their new minister coming, dear Lord, go in front in all those details, and every single congregation and missionary, Lord, pour out your rich blessing upon each one. Now, hear our prayers today. Encourage us, we ask, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's honor and praise, Psalm 145. We'll stand, please, to sing.
turn, please, in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 35, John's Gospel, chapter 1. The account before us, the context is well known of John the Baptist as he is baptizing, and Christ along with his disciples, some of them, they come, and the Lord Jesus is going to be baptized by John. John's giving an account here, and the events that take place after this in verse 35 It says, again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following Jesus would go forth unto Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, no deception. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because 
I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon him. The faith that Nathaniel had in the Messiah was so refreshing. It was so real, so genuine. Jesus said to him, I saw you when you were sitting under that fig tree. And because of that word that Jesus said to him, he believed. He called him Messiah. Here was one of the first statements of faith given to us in the New Testament, and it was a great one. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And at that statement, Jesus almost, we could say, marveled at the faith of Nathanael. Perhaps we have seen the Lord marvel at the faith of some others in the New Testament when they saw so little and yet believed so much. And so Jesus said to Nathanael, you will see greater things than these. And what great things would Nathanael see? Jesus said, you will see the Son of Man and angels descending upon Him, ascending and descending. Some commentators, and indeed the reference in this Scripture here in the margin, would turn us back to the circumstance of Jacob when he wrestled with God and the angels ascending and descending upon him. Well, if indeed this is a picture or a fulfillment of that, what did Nathanael see? Was it some heavenly vision? No, I don't believe so at all. Nathanael saw the unfolding of the great purpose of God in salvation of myriads, thousands of people. He saw the gospel unfolding. He saw the great works of God fulfilled in the Messiah who had come and the one who would go to the cross and suffer and die there in order that the great door would be opened unto salvation for Jew and Gentile, for all people in this world. And the great aspect of the gospel going out with power, we are still observing and seeing it today. And would it not encourage us to pray, Lord, let us see a greater evidence in our own day, in our own time. Let us see souls being brought under the sound of the gospel and being brought to faith in Christ. That's our longing. 
We desire to see the church of Christ full with those calling on the Lord and those who have trusted in Him being built up in their faith, their most holy faith. Believer, I ask you, have you prayed for this this week? Have you called on the Lord to see His kingdom extended? Have you called on the Lord to save precious souls? Well, if we have to say, maybe we have been neglectful in that part, let us redouble our efforts, calling on the Lord to stir up our hearts, calling on God to use us to point men and women to Jesus, and then we will also be as like Nathaniel to see great things done in the gospel kingdom and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have believed and do testify as He did. Thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel, the Messiah that was promised. And we are looking for our King to come back to this world again. May God bless His Word to us as we have thought today. You are very welcome this morning in the house of God. We are glad that you are here. And if you are with us for the first time, or maybe you've come back again, you're very, very welcome. And along with all those folks viewing our service online, very happy to have the brother of our brother Peter Pau with us today uh, from, well, living in Tokyo now, but visiting here with the family. And you're very, very welcome today. We're glad that you're here. And uh, though I might not have everyone's name, you're very welcome and we're glad that you're here. And on, online folks that are with us again today, uh, maybe our brother Steve Kelly watching from Vancouver. Well, brother, I was able to speak to our brother on Friday and encouraging him and we're looking forward to seeing him and Carol as we go out to Vancouver uh, June the 23rd, God willing, for the ordination and installation of Reverend Andrew Fitton to take up the cause, the calling there in Cloverdale. But not only in name, but all others, we welcome you in the Savior's precious name. We're already praying about Mrs. June Hamilton. We want to remember her and the family. It's a solemn time for them. Read a couple of emails. I've contacted Brother Stephen Hamilton via email. Left a phone message for him, and he's responded by email and just pouring out his heart, thanksgiving to God for his dear wife and praying that they would be given much grace and help in this time of their need as they have this, these final moments and time together. Remember our sister Hyacinth also in prayer. She is not doing well today. We appreciate your prayers. And our brother Daniel Simon had a full schedule last Lord's Day. He was speaking in our adult Bible class. It was a joint adult and junior class. And also uh, he was on for Cloverdale morning and evening and had to do uh, Port Hope last Lord's Day evening. So he had a full day. Well, I have only a partial day. I've got Cloverdale after 1.30 today for the morning service after this one. So appreciate very much your prayers for that. Remember also uh, Diana and James Fraser 
And James Fraser is one of our elders, and they are down in Greenville, South Carolina with their family uh, this time, and they'll be gone for another, well, several weeks yet. But we remember our brother and sister very much in our prayers as well. This afternoon, we have our session and board monthly prayer meeting. That will be at 4.50, and then following that at 5.50, our pre-service prayer time before our evening service tonight. And following the evening service at 6.30, we will have a time of fellowship downstairs in our basement. On Tuesday night, the ladies' Bible study This will be the final one for this season, and that will be at 7 p.m. on Zoom only. And ladies, if you would like to join in to that, you can speak to Brother Jonathan McAnally, and he will make sure you get the necessary Zoom link for Tuesday night. And on Wednesday is our regular prayer meeting and Bible study at 7.30. On Thursday night this week, we have the Whitfield Christian School Collegiate Spring Concert, and that will be at 7 p.m., and you are welcome to come along to that on Thursday night. Two advance announcements for you. The first one has to do with our special congregational three days of prayer, and that will be June 5, 6, and 7. And on June 7, we will be having a baptismal service, and please very much appreciate your prayer for those meetings and for that meeting specifically, and those folks who will be getting baptized on June the 7th in the will of God. And then June 17th, the Highland Creek Outreach for our congregation, and there is a table at the back please sign your name if you'd like to be involved in just handing out gospel tracts on that day, handing out some bottles of water which, with a little gospel text uh, elastic to it, and it's a nice opportunity to be out and to serve the Lord. You can put your name on that list. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 304. Hymn 304, we'll stand as we worship the Lord.
please turn now to John, John's Gospel, chapter 21. While you're turning up to John 21, please don't forget to take our missionary prayer cards with you. They're on the table at the back as you leave today. And please remember all of God's servants in your prayers. John's Gospel, chapter 21. Reading the first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. When the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net of fishes. As soon then, as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, hundred, fifty, and three, and for all there were so many yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed Himself to His disciples 
after that he was risen from the dead. Father, we pray now that as the Word is open, that our hearts would be open to it. We pray, Lord, that we would be helped, edified, instructed in the ways of righteousness and truth. And I pray, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to come and enable me, strengthen me to speak the Word plainly. Father, work in every believing heart. And also, Lord, we pray for those who are not saved today. They would taste and see and understand and believe in Christ, that He is indeed the Son of God, the King of Israel. Lord, hear our prayer today and bless us now. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to draw your attention, please, to a little phrase in verse 7 of this portion of the Word, where John said to Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. The Savior had now shown Himself a third time to His disciples as a group of men. Though why at this time there are only seven of them, we do not know. John tells us that the events of chapter 21 occurred, quote, after these things. Namely, it was the second appearance of Christ when Thomas was also there, and his unbelief dissolved when he saw the Lord, and he touched the wounds in his hands and his side. He acknowledged, my Lord and my God. He knew that Jesus was alive. And chapter 20 closed, as we noted last Lord's Day, with the most amazing and direct and simple gospel messages that you would find anywhere in the New Testament, telling us that the written revelation of God's Word contains the core message for every person that has ever lived. And that message is simply this, that eternal life is only to be found by believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And I wonder today, my dear friend, have you received that very simple and direct and basic gospel truth? Have you been born again of God's Spirit? You're watching our service today online. I ask that question to you. Have you been born again? Have you received Christ as your Savior? For if you have, then the gift of eternal life is yours. If you have not received Christ, 
then you do not have eternal life. But what you possess right now is everlasting death. Flee, my dear friends, from the wrath that is to come and call upon the Lord and make Him your own. The scene before us in chapter 21 is a mixture, a mixture of the ordinary and the miraculous. It tells us of Peter leading the way back to the fishing boat, and the other disciples with him followed. It was a night of unproductive work and a stranger's directive to drop the net on the right side of the ship in the early morning light. The figure on the shore was not discernible, at least not immediately. But at the catch of fish, when they could not draw that net into their boat, John motioned to Peter, and whether he said it in a loud declaration or whether it was a whisper, however it was communicated, John was conscious that the Lord was the one who had spoken to them. And with those words, he said, Peter, it is the Lord. Can you hear in His voice the excitement, the anticipation, the certainty, no longer a doubt? Here we are, Peter, in the boat. We've been here all night. Our catch, nothing. Without hesitation, Peter gathers his coat together, puts it around him. He jumps in the water, probably around waist deep or less, and he pushes his way through the water to get to the shore. What does he see? He sees on the shore a man his Lord, a fire burning, fish on the fire, not the ones the disciples had caught, but the Lord provided His own, and bread was there for them, and the Lord compelling them with an invitation to come and eat. Much conjecture has arisen around this chapter and portion of the Word as to the prophetic meaning that would underlie the surface meaning and purpose? Does it mean for the church some lessons about the return of Christ, about what they are to do in the interim period? While some of these may be accurate, some are just conjecture. But laying all that aside... There is no question there is application for us and things we can learn from these very, very simple and direct accounts given. Details of life. Something for us to take with us. John discerned the Lord in a tender scene of hospitality and of love. 
I want you to notice, please, with me in the first place. It is the Lord who calls. It's the Lord who does the summoning. And He does this, first of all, as He summons us to Himself. He calls us to Himself in salvation. And the Lord, as He dealt with His men who were to follow Him, who He was going to set apart and set aside, as we read in chapter 1 of John, the Lord went following His baptism, and He immediately received those two disciples of John that left Him and followed the Messiah. And there were those who said to John, Oh, you're not concerned about losing your people? They're going from you. They're now following someone else. And John, he was not the least least disappointed when those who were his disciples turned and followed the Messiah, the Lord, the King of Israel. He was rejoicing and happy about that. And it was Christ who called those men to Himself in faith, in repentance, in believing on Him. Nathaniel received Christ as his Messiah. And that moment of faith, oh, you may not see all of the elements of did he bow down? Did he repent of his sin? Did he say a few words to call on Jesus Friends, there are times when we have no explanation of how the Spirit is working in the hearts of people to bring them to faith. And we have sometimes a pattern or an order that we like to see things happen. But when God's Spirit comes upon a person and moves supernaturally and sovereignly, the work of repentance, salvation, acceptance can be in the snap of a finger It's not going to be by a juncture of time as we look at time. But sometimes the salvation of a person is so immediate, so instantaneous, that we will wonder, was it really salvation at all? But then you consider other people whom the Spirit of God has been working in conviction, it seems, for years and years, and they've heard the Gospel and they've heard it over again. They've heard about repentance. But it seems that the Spirit is working to a different timetable in their hearts. And we have to be careful, don't we? When we stop to acknowledge salvation is of the Lord... We'll say, as John said to Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. And we will say with every true gospel preacher and faithful servant of God throughout all history, it is of the Lord that salvation will come. And it's not the work of flesh. It's not the work of men. It's not of the will of men. It's not of the power of individuals. It's not how convincing some preacher may be or may not be. It's not great oratory. It is the moving of God's Spirit that calls men to salvation. 
And John acknowledged this because John knew it in his own soul. He remembered and knew the day when Christ called him to faith, to repentance, to belief in who he was. Though the light of the morning was very dim, John recognized the tone, the voice of Christ calling from the shore, Children, have you any food? John had heard the voice of Christ so many times he could not count them. He heard the preaching of Jesus. He heard His teaching. He heard His quiet devotion as they sat on the top of that hill and the great Sermon on the Mount was presented to His disciples. Yes, John John was the one who leaned on the chest of the Lord and was very close to Him. He could hear the heartbeat He could hear the reverberations of the voice of Christ, and he recognized that. Oh, on top of that, certainly, I don't doubt that when they cast their net on the right side of the ship and they engulfed a great catch of fish, that would be another indication to John, something's going on here. This is not normal. Of course it wasn't. John recognized the Lord Friends, you remember back when you heard the call of God to salvation? Maybe for you it was 50 or 60 years ago, maybe more. We have some very senior people in our congregation. Maybe you're watching online, and you can look back to your childhood days when it was the Lord by His Spirit that called you to Himself. And you remember that day. You know that day you were saved. And today you still rejoice in that call of God, so merciful, so free, so love-oriented, so part of the sovereign hand of God that reached down to you and brought you to Himself. And have you in this senior time of your Christian experience, has the fire and the joy of your salvation dwindled? Or are you in love with your Lord as much today, oh, far more than in that first day when He saved you? The righteous shall shine more and more as the day draws to a close. And I would say to you, friend, that in the home of the Hamiltons now, where they are in that hospice care, and all the grandchildren are running around them, and Joan, June rather is in the time of her great weakness of body, yet her spirit and her heart rejoicing that she is saved by God's grace, and she heard the call of God many, many years ago. Friend, don't delay. Don't put off seeking the Lord with all your heart. 
Don't say, tomorrow I'll get right with God, for you may not have a tomorrow to speak about. Christ not only called these men to Himself in salvation, but He called them in saying, follow Me. It's the Savior who reveals the Father to every man through the Holy Spirit. Yes, in salvation through our fallen and corrupt way, because man does not seek the Lord on his own. Many times the gospel message has been refused, rejected, denied. And the message about fleeing from the wrath to come, well, it has fallen on deaf ears. But that day when we responded by God's grace, and we came and our heart was given over to Him, then we understood that there was so much more that God wanted of us from our Christian life than just simply to be saved from our sin and then, you know, projected to heaven. No, there's a period of time for most of our lives. And what is to happen in that period of time? My friends, I say to you, it is the call of God upon your entire life. It is not a call just to be saved. It is a call to serve Him. As the Lord Jesus put His hand upon Peter, James, John, Thomas, Nathaniel, and the other disciples, so He calls every one of His children to serve Him. And I wonder today, dear friend, have you answered that call, that leading of the Spirit of God in your life? Never mind anybody else. Just think about you yourself in your own heart. Has He called you to serve Him? Just like you cannot be neutral about accepting or rejecting Christ, you cannot sit on the fence of that decision. Because if you think you're sitting on the fence, you have rejected the Lord in salvation. And likewise, friends, when the Lord calls us to serve Him, if we as His people think that I'm saved now, but my life is mine, and I will live it just as we, this I think is going to be pleasing and purposeful and accomplishing all that I want. No, friend, I say to you today, think again. Because it is the Lord who calls us. And the Lord that says to every single believer, follow me. Follow me. Now that following and the answer to that call, it may not be as a missionary or minister. It may not be in how we sometimes define full-time service. Though I don't like that term really because we often say that every Christian is to be in full-time service in that way. 
but you understand what we mean, and we use that for definition of terms. But it may be that God is not directing your life to become a pastor or become a missionary per se, but friend, make no mistake about it. The call of God is upon every single believer. And therefore you ask the question to yourself, how have I responded to that? Is my life being used for Him today? Are we glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives? I want you to notice in the second place, it is the Lord who sends. Christ is the head of His church. We do not follow any Protestant papacy. We know that Christ is the captain of our salvation and the one who is the commander and leader. And when our Lord called these men three years plus earlier, and later the full commission of the gospel that was upon them to go and preach Christ's word to every person, the disciples they represented a very wide range of occupations. They were not unemployed, lazy men who God said, well, you're not doing anything else. You might as well come and serve me. No, quite generally and most of the time, you will find that God, when He calls a person to do some further service, He calls busy people. He calls those who are active and doing something in His work to be extended and to do something more. Industrious people, the Lord is called to serve Him. But here, in this account, after the Lord had risen and had shown Himself two times to the disciple band, and they appeared and were waiting at the Tiberius Lake or the Lake of Galilee, they were waiting for the Lord. Christ told them, I will appear to you in Galilee. And so, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to imagine that these disciples, after they had seen the Lord once and twice, they were in that closed room in Jerusalem. Now they were going to Galilee where Christ said, I will appear to you. And so here they are. They're in Galilee. They're on the the shore of the sea, of the lake. But the Lord does not come. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And how long had they been waiting? We don't know. But then finally, we see what was happening Peter declared that he was going fishing, and the others followed him. We always need to be careful when we are critical of any Bible people, and Peter especially because of his impetuous nature and the things that he did, and certainly how he denied the Lord. There are many reasons why we could be on the surface critical, 
And some commentators have also been critical here of Peter because he said, I'm going fishing. What, what did that mean? And what did that mean for all the other disciples that said, we're, we're going with you? We don't want to be critical of him in this matter. This was the work that they knew to do. They were not rich men. They were laboring men, and they had to provide for their needs somehow. And after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ and the appearance of the Lord to them, how many other days had now transpired, they weren't just going to stand there in their own mind, they thought, and do nothing. And so they said, well, what can we do? Well, we'll do what we know to do. We'll go fishing. And if they were in the locality that some believe in Bethsaida, the very place around where the Lord had called them, and they got into a boat, it says in the original, the boat. It's specific. It's not just a boat. They didn't just go and take a boat and go out and use it. It was the boat. Quite possibly, it was Peter's boat. Because he is the one that said, I'm going fishing. Well, how are we going to go fishing, Peter? Well, I'm just going to get a boat. Well, whose boat? It makes more sense that he was going to take the boat that was there that he knew, and he was going back to do the work that he was accustomed to do. Let's remember also that the Apostle Paul was a tent maker, and in order to supply his own means, he had to make tents at times to survive. And these men had to survive as they were not, they were not wealthy. But there is a caution here, isn't there? A caution that needs to be taken from this step of Peter's life. And a word of caution is this, that a noble calling may be a distraction from a higher calling. A noble calling, a laboring job, be it a fisherman, electrician, plumber, whatever that might be, whatever your occupation is, it's a noble and a good work. But if that noble and good work becomes to some degree a distraction from doing a higher calling that God has placed upon you or is placing upon you, then friends, beware. Be prayerful about that. Be seeking the Lord about that. Fishing was Peter's default position. It's what he knew to do and what he had done with some success. It was in this very occupation three years earlier that Jesus borrowed Peter's boat and he pushed away from the shore because the crowd was all gathering around them. And the Lord Jesus used Peter's boat, sat in it, preached his message. And there was a great catch of fish that time. And the nets broke then. And Peter was so amazed because the Lord used his boat. And in one sense, we could say that he didn't use it for nothing. He paid his way. 
And this great gulf of fishes came into their net after they had been toiling all night then three years ago as well. And they put the net down and the nets, they could not even haul them into their boats. And it filled their boat. It filled their friends' boats as well. It was then that Jesus said to Peter and to the others, I will make you to become fishers of men. You have a higher calling. You have something that I have set upon you. And remember, friends, not only is it the Lord who calls us to salvation, but it is our God that sends us out to do His work. And here there was a distraction. The fishers of men, that was their calling, their commission. They were sent to a mission, on a mission, to capture and put into a net the souls of men. It was a gospel net, a spiritual work that they were involved in, to bring, to bring men to the shores of heaven. That's what they were to be doing. And this spiritual work they were sent to do But now, there was a danger for Peter. And as he was leading the way to some of the others too, there was a danger of them lapsing into their former occupation and being distracted from the higher calling. And maybe, friends, this is a lesson that we could draw from this Scripture today. While the Lord is sovereign over all of life's situations, we must always be alert and on guard not to be distracted or to stray off course, for this is the devil's plan and way and purpose from making us stall in doing the work of God. Even if God has not called into full-time service, let's be careful not to allow the good to get in the way of the best. Let's be careful, friends, that we don't allow our roots to get too far down into the earth soil. For all of us will be called to leave this very, very soon. And maybe some much sooner than we think. Let us grasp loosely the things of this world. And let us rather embrace with all of our spiritual power and energy the things of the kingdom of Christ and of eternity, for we have been commanded, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. Has God called you, friend, to some place of service? Is He calling you now to put your life on the altar of service for Him? Remember, it is only what is done for Christ that will last. It is the Lord who calls, and it's the Lord who sends, And it's the Lord 
who searches. He says in verse 5, in the question he asked to them from the shore, have you any meat? Have you any food? Have you something to eat? There's, there's much in that question that you could draw from in its simplicity. He was concerned for their well-being. He was concerned for them physically. Were they going to be okay? Ah, but there's something, there's something much deeper here too, isn't there? When the Lord asks us the question that searches deep down into our hearts, He's asking, have you a supply? Are you sufficiently filled? Have you any food? And it's the Lord who is the one who is asking that question. He was to draw from His servants an answer that He already knew. Because they responded one word, no. We have nothing. The Lord already knew they had nothing. He doesn't ask a question so He can gain information. He asks the question so that we will answer, so that we know and are affirmed of the answer in our life. They had worked all night, casting the net and drawing the net, and casting the net and drawing the net. How many times that would have happened in the hours of the night? We could say many. Each time they would draw the net in, they're hoping, have we got something to justify our night activity? And each time they draw the net, I don't know, maybe they snag some seaweed, maybe they snag someone who had thrown a chariot wheel out into the lake sometime. You can get all kinds of junk that goes into the lake. Whatever they drew in, it was no fish. Nothing was there. It was empty. And their answer to the Lord in that simple, direct, no, nothing. We're empty. Their best efforts and their long hours had produced nothing. And this lesson was not lost on them. Very clearly, the Savior who was watching them all through the night did not direct one fish into their net. Do we sometimes wonder, friends, why at times our efforts produce so little? Of all the possible reasons, let us not be dull to the speaking voice of the Lord. Maybe our focus is wrong. Maybe our motive is out of order. Maybe the Lord is using the lean times to lead us to seek Him on purpose, to seek Him earnestly, to return to the place of service, or at least return to the place where we are available and willing and ready for that service. After we have toiled and struggled and exhausted ourselves, even in some good way, the Lord will say to us, how's it been working out for you? 
How's your spiritual life going? Have you any food? Or are you starving spiritually? Have you anything to show for your labor? Without me, you can do nothing. And that word echoes back to us, doesn't it, in our own hearts? On that lesson, we would learn and pray it would be inscribed upon our hearts. It is the Lord who searches our work, and He touches the nerve of our motivation. Why are we doing what we are doing? And therefore, brothers and sisters today, let us examine ourselves and see what we are doing, even in gospel service. Is it for God's glory alone? Is there any of self that is infecting this? Or can we stand back with all honesty, or at least in this prayer, and say, Lord, let it be sola dea gloria. Let it be for the glory of God alone that my life is being lived. And all that I do, and all that I say, and all that I endeavor to accomplish in the menial tasks of life, in the good work that we are doing in a vocation, in the opportunities that God provides for us to serve Him and to live our life for Him. Let us walk in the joy and peace of our Redeemer. Let us praise His name. And let us, as we seek to glorify and honor Him, we consider this account today. And as we look back and look at the second part of it, for there are several other important, vital lessons for us that our Lord Jesus was teaching here. And as we consider it this evening, the Lord would bless it to each one of us. Let's bow, please, now in prayer. Father, we pray that our hearts will be open and searched now by the Holy Spirit. And, O oh God, we would be constantly impressed with the shortness of time that we have left to serve, the amount of work that there is to be done. And, O oh God, give us that spiritual perception that John had, that as we read the Scripture, we will know the speaking voice of the Savior from the Word and that we will acknowledge it, it is the Lord. I know Him. I, I see Him, Lord. Father, hear our prayer today. Bless us now, we ask, and encourage every believer. If there's an unsaved one here this morning, Lord, please save their souls. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn in closing now. Number 312, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Standing, please, to sing.
Father, take us, we pray today, to our places, our homes in safety. May we know the joy and the blessing and the help of the Spirit of God in this Lord's Day afternoon. Bless the service in Cloverdale. Bless our time of prayer with the elders and deacons this afternoon. Keep us, we pray, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and bring us back to this evening service tonight to enjoy our time around the Scripture, the fellowship afterward, and that all may be done to the glory of our God's great name. And Father, again we pray for Mrs. Hamilton and her family. Lord, pour out Your grace abundantly upon her, we pray, and each family member. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.